Hello, you're listening to the Grocery Girls podcast. The Grocery Girls is a non-profit organisation focused on inspiring and empowering women in the grocery industry at all stages of their careers. We want to help women realise their full potential, channelling their talent and ambition to seize the opportunities they deserve and carve out a career that works for them. I'm Jo Whitfield, the founder of Grocery Girls and also CEO of Co-op Food. I'm the first female CEO of a major grocery retailer, but it's absolutely my mission to ensure that there's many more of us coming through in the years to come. There are so many amazing, talented and driven women in our industry, and we want to bring you all together to share experiences and to ensure that every one of us reaches our goals. I'm Hester Lonergan, and I'll be your podcast host. Every episode, I'll be interviewing someone working in the grocery industry, from intern to CEO and retailer to supplier. I'll be asking them to share their daily routines, lessons learned and hopes for the future. We'll also be exploring how we adapt and flex to make our professional and personal lives work together, all the while embracing the fast-paced, ever-changing environment of this industry. Hello, I'm so excited to welcome you to the first episode of the Grocery Girls podcast. In our first episode, I had the absolute pleasure of interviewing Laura Ryan, who is, amongst more than a few things, the CEO of Lavin Park and chair of Meet Business Women, the network that aims to empower women across the meat industry. I met Laura back in June 2019 at one of uh, the Grocery Girls Development Days, which we hosted in Manchester. When I met her, it was brilliant. We found that we hit it off really, really quickly and we had so much to talk about, having networks in common, I guess. Um, We're in the same boat in many ways as she founded Meet Business Women uh, five years ago and the network's been steadily growing since that point and she's been managing, navigating everything that that means, much in the same way that we have with the Grocery Girls, although we are only just over a year old. Since I met Laura, we've stayed in touch on a regular basis. We've shared lots of ideas and lessons learned from building a community in this industry. The conversation that you'll hear today was when Laura and I caught up via Zoom in early April this year, shortly after the UK went into lockdown. So because of this, you'll hear references to her conference, which was due to take place on the 23rd of April. This episode is going to be going out after the 23rd of April, so it might seem a bit odd, but I hope that the rest of the conversation still really applies and you find it as interesting and illuminating as I did. Hope you enjoy. I'd also like to say a big please bear with me (laughs) for the audio quality of this episode. I have, over the past three, four weeks, been teaching myself how to make podcasts. So this one was my very first attempt and while some of the conversation in places can sound a bit rough and ready, I'm confident that as our podcast progresses, the sound will get better. So I really hope you still get something out of this. We're both recording then. Both recording. <laughs> Thanks, Laura. <laughs> so um, <laughs> I, um, for the record, I'm here with Laura Ryan. Um, we've probably spent the past 15, minute, I've been 15 minutes, I'd say, um, 
experimenting with technology to try and get the recording of this podcast to work. We've cracked it though, haven't we? We've cracked it. Yeah, we've cracked it. We got there finally. Um, and it was so brilliant to be able to have someone to bear with me and be my guinea pig to try and make this recording work. Um, so yeah, Laura, thank you so much for being my inaugural interviewee um, and agreeing to persevere with all that tech stuff um, to set a call up. Do you want to, for the uh, benefit of our listeners, tell us a bit about who you are um, and what your role is, stuff like that? Yeah, thank you, Hester. I'm very delighted to be the first interviewee. I'm, uh, I, f- I feel honoured. So, um, yeah, I'm Laura Ryan, and I, um, a-, a year ago, launched my own consultancy business. I've spent the last 20 years working in the meat industry, predominantly in marketing and strategy roles, um, and most latterly, director of the Beef and Lamb Board in England. And then um, last year, I took the brave step to set up my own business, and I've been doing strategic marketing type planning uh, for different companies, in predominantly in the meat sector um, and government uh, for the last year. But alongside that, because um, this may be how sad my life is, I also run um, and am global chair of Meat Business Women. M-E-A-T. And I launched that five years ago, um, basically because as I noticed throughout my career, particularly as I was becoming more senior, there was um, less and less females in the room when I was at various meetings. And I've got no agricultural background whatsoever and fell into the meat industry by accident and absolutely love it. So I know when I speak to my mates on a, well, on Zoom now, on a Friday and Saturday night, (laughs) um, that they think it's really weird what I do and, and working in the meat sector. So um, Meat Business Women is all about networking with women in the sector and also showcasing the industry. It's a great one for female talent. Um, and that's where I met Hester and was uh, lucky enough to meet Joe Whitfield to chat about um, grocery girls and different groups like Meat Business Women about how we can work together to showcase our um, sectors and industries as, as a great one, uh, not necessarily a negative one. Amazing. Thank you. So um, I guess one of the things that we can't really get away from at the moment is talking about the current situation. So I guess both on a personal and professional level, um, your world must be majorly impacted. What does um, coronavirus mean for the meat industry? Yeah, and, and that's a, it's a big question. And, uh, and, and to be honest, we don't know all the answers yet. But um, one thing that I do know, it's about having a strong network and be able to ring people up and chat to them and get that insight is is really important. So there's a couple of things that, that I've done personally. Um, first of all, I'm lucky enough to be um, vice chair of... Um, another acronym, the International Meat Secretariat, the LMS, which is sort of like the, um, all the levy boards across the world pay into the IMS and um, they have a marketing group, as I say, which I sit on and myself and the chair, Ashley, we've arranged weekly calls. So that is an opportunity for all the levy boards around the world and meat companies, if they wish, to have a Zoom call to share best practice, to talk about what the challenges are, what's happening, and also to talk about what we're doing domestically to help improve that and to, to align some of our messaging. So that has made us really busy in the short term and to make sure that we are working together in a pre-competitive way um, so, so globally that's really important and for meat business women as well we've seen the power of the network come into the fore um, 
and having that community around you and people that you can ring up and probably ask for help from is really, really important. So um, within what's happening with uh, COVID-19 in the meat industry, we've seen at retail, haven't we, huge gains. And the Cantar figures out yesterday showed, you know, trading was um, the, the, uh, bigger than it was Christmas week. And, um, you know, the amount of shopping trips that we did was um, unsurmounted to anything in the last decade. But uh, and that will have seen, and the Cantar figures haven't come out yet for meat, what that's exactly meant. And, and there'll be huge growth um, in terms of volume. But what that also has meant was we've gone into lockdown. We're not going out to eat anymore. Um, and as 20% of beef is sold at food service level, that's had huge implications. And, you know, the, the, the suppliers into that market have been hugely impacted. Um, and, you know, I hope that, that, that their businesses do survive because there's some fantastic businesses out there and that's where the strength of the community comes into play. Amazing. That's really interesting. Thanks for sharing, Laura. Um, I remember last time we spoke, you were talking to me about the event that you had planned for um, later on in April. So I think it was meant to be the 23rd of April. Um, and you, I well, I, I assume that event is no longer happening or can you tell us a bit about what you're doing there? Yeah, so we've postponed that until the uh, 13th of October. So we're really lucky in that we've... Um, got some fantastic sponsors that um are really supportive of us so we've been able to move the event wholesale to um october and we've also um got pretty much the same lineup of speakers as well um so that gives us the the, the summer to do other things and we've got loads of things that we're doing in the short term so um we were also due to speak at world meet congress in june to launch our new state of the nation report um and what that's going to be is it's data looking at how many women are working in the meat processing sector. Um, interestingly, at the moment, globally, we don't know. So we don't have a baseline of how many people, what the barriers are, what can we do to enable them. So we were going to launch that in June. And because the World Meat Congress has been postponed, we'll actually launch that ourselves in July um, via a global webinar, um, which is really exciting for us because we'll bring together our full global community for the first time ever, rather than just an event in the UK and obviously we're I haven't said we're also in um, Australia New Zealand Ireland and of launching in the US this year so that's good opportunity for the whole community to come together so yeah we're taking the challenges and the delays as an opportunity and we'll continue to push forward and and have even more to share with people in October amazing one of the things I remember you saying when you were talking about your event was that actually there is sometimes a bit of a struggle between kind of uh, people who are able to attend the event because their businesses can kind of raise funds or sponsor them to attend or their own roles where they can afford the price of a ticket because we know that putting on events like like the ones that you put on bringing speakers choosing great locations um kind of providing all the things that people need for a full day event are isn't isn't cheap but then there are a lot of independent um and much smaller uh meat manufacturers suppliers um who aren't in the position to be able to do stuff like that do you see the current kind of situation threatening those more independent um much smaller um, businesses in a way that it might not for larger ones. 
Yeah, so generally thinking about the meat sector, um, and if we're talking about smaller businesses, you probably naturally think towards uh, independent retail butchers. Um, and for our conferences, we do have a few um, folks attend from, from independent butchers, but you're right, it is the bigger processes that, that, that are in attendance. What I'm seeing happening to their businesses at the moment is they are... Um, experiencing a huge increase in sales and they actually you know becoming the savior of some of the high streets in terms of being able to supply their local community with food um so the way that their businesses move forward will be really interesting to see and see if people reconnect more with uh, local um and with more sort of high street type shopping um but you're right in terms of our events it's really important to us that we appeal to to everyone um and i think it's fair to say women aren't always naturally great at, at taking a day out of their diary and going to a networking uh, conference type event because it can be on occasion seen as a luxury so what we really try and do for Meet Business Women is not only give people knowledge that they can take back to their day job the following day and implement it like now um, and, and help them, as well as giving them the personal um, uh, development type skills and also the network. So I think it's really on us to make sure that, yeah, we only charge you the events at, at cost, but... Um, we make it really deliver so and we're very lucky in that our events um post event surveys we see 100% of delegates want to come back to another event because they realize that they're getting so much from it but as we know conference rooms can only be so big and there's a load of people that we probably haven't even touched and don't even know we exist that would be able to benefit from from getting in contact or, or, or getting involved with us so over the summer as well we're going to be building an online offering so folks can network and and boy, we're becoming used to that now, uh, more virtually. Um, so we'll always still have that face-to-face -face event contact. But for, for others um, and for some of those smaller businesses, as you say, there's a route if they don't want to pay £100, £150 for a conference ticket. And sometimes if that's in Birmingham or London or wherever it may be, and taking a day out, that can be expensive. That's great to hear. And I think um, that's something that we've identified as really important as well with the Grocery Girls, that actually the four events that we were planning on hosting this year, we aren't 100% sure what's going to happen with all of those. But um, those events can hold kind of 150 people at the moment. And um, actually, if we go much bigger, then we lose a sense of community that's so important to our identity. Um, but for 150 people that's such a small part of our audience like we've got 10 times that now on our mailing list and wanting to kind of bring everyone along and share stories that can inspire and empower people actually it's so important that we find new ways and interesting ways to engage with people who maybe can't afford to come to the events or maybe who um, whose businesses won't sponsor them or aren't supportive because actually gender diversity isn't a priority in their company um so yeah, I'm really excited to see kind of what what um what happens with Meet Business Women over the next few months. I guess it's kind of an opportunity to step back and take stock and focus on some of the things that maybe you weren't able to focus on before. You're totally right, and we've spent as a the, the UK committee anyway. We've spent um. Uh, quite a long time over the winter months looking at our strategy and developing our next three-year strategy uh, and then 
once you've done that, then you're running at the next event. So actually, we've developed a strategy. It's given us a second to pause and to be really clear on what our offer is and to build some of those delivery aspects as well and then go and present that to industry rather than running into a conference and then, yep, next thing, next thing, because we all do this as an add-on to our day jobs and um, that, that's the challenge really and it would be great to make biz- meet business women sort of stand up on its own two feet a little bit but at the moment we, 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 we're we funded by sort of people's time which which is great um, but to take it to the next level it, it does need a bit more um, and having that time and that headspace is, is a luxury but um, and boy is it a challenge at the moment but it's one actually but we're probably um is good for us in the long term as you say amazing so we've talked about kind of what the current situation means for the meat industry and meat business women can you tell us a bit about personally how you're managing the change and um, what are you doing to adapt to life are you working from home full-time I am so um since um i um sort of gone portfolio a year ago no two weeks were the same for me so um some days um and and I predominantly work from home that I I would be here but there would be always every single week I'd be either out out seeing a client uh, traveling or down to London so it's really strange for me to be permanently at home over the last couple of weeks um but I am trying to be disciplined uh, and trying to um, th- leave the biscuits alone a bit because it's so challenging for me to uh, my sugar addiction and hoovering up all the biscuits every day. I'm trying to take my foot off the gas with that, um, trying to get outside and have some fresh air. And it's the problem is it's all the stuff we know and it's all the stuff that we know is good for our mental health. Get in a routine, go get some fresh air eat good food, sleep well, you know, all that stuff. But sometimes when we are really busy, that can be hard to do when there's not enough hours in the day. So um, for me, I love to be busy. And the the um, international marketing calls I said, um, uh, we've set up and quite a few other calls for me are, are international. So it's either early mornings or more likely late nights. Um, so routine still isn't always there, but I do try and make sure that I get out, have a long walk each day and just to, to reset and, and decompress a little bit. I think it's really important, particularly when you're trying to help other businesses with their strategy. You can't be coming to a project um, without a clear set of ideas. Otherwise, yeah, you're not adding much value. That's really interesting, actually. I hadn't thought about that. So you're working with different time zones, so you can't create a routine in the way that actually like a nine to five is something you can kind of limit yourself to. Yeah, you're totally right. And naturally, if I'm to, to totally honest, I am a night owl. I am nocturnal. So it's uh, it, that, that doesn't um, bother me too much. Uh, the late night calls of which yeah they are growing quite a bit at the moment uh, but yeah the, the early mornings are a bit of a killer if I'm on the late night calls as well <laughs> and so you're doing kind of the trying to create a routine trying to avoid the biscuit stuff um how have you been finding it is it been um kind of have there been things elements that you've enjoyed yeah I have to admit I've been I have enjoyed being at home um more and I think I've enjoyed people embracing the tech. So for me, I'm based in the northeast of England. So there's not really that many clients that close to me. So it's always, you know, traveling long distances on occasions for relatively short meetings. And I think one thing COVID-19 will do for us is to, as, as a 
as a working nation is reevaluate the way we do work and how we do do business. I think it'll make us a lot slicker and a lot more um, technology focused. So I've enjoyed having more Zoom calls, team calls, whatever it may be um, with people that traditionally probably wouldn't have done that. Uh, but I know moving forwards, I mean, actually, it'll make my consultancy slicker it'll make me business women slicker because we're more willing to try uh, new ways of, of of connecting um and i think that's quite refreshing and that's something that that change that we should embrace because i've found in my working life um on a lot of occasions again down to geography that i've been the only one dialing into a meeting and you've maybe had 10 me 10 people in a room somewhere and i'm the one dialing in and and that's tough it's tough for the people that are in the room and it's tough when you're on the end of the phone and missing every third word and i think we'll be a lot more uh, accommodating of people at a distance and and making sure we get best practice into the room even if it doesn't even if the person isn't there that we um, video call them in or whatever it may be um and i think we'll end up being a lot slicker and yeah a lot more effective as a result yeah that's so interesting and so true i think i almost on days kind of before covid19 on days when i was working from home i would often kind of just opt out of meetings if they weren't necessary or actually if I had a meeting that was really important I would make sure that I was in the office on that day and kind of work my schedule around there around that because it almost felt like if you were working from home you couldn't have those uh, personal interactions and I would usually use it as a time just to get my head down and do like a big chunk of writing or a big chunk of planning um, but actually now it's bringing to light the fact that actually you can have well, I don't know, You can can you have the same quality of interaction when you're not in the same room? I guess we're having to now, so proof is in the pudding. I think it's, a, it's probably still, as it always would be, harder with people you don't know. But if those people you've met before or at least had an initial rapport before, you're more willing to go the extra mile and it works. I think as well, it's given me an opportunity because I've been static to lift the phone and reach out to people that I've maybe not spoken to for a little while. Um, and because everyone's working from home, predominantly, you know where they're going to be and they've got time uh, and they're more willing to speak. For example, today I did a virtual lunch break with a, 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 a contact of mine that I haven't spoken to since before Christmas and we were just struggling to catch up and thought, isn't that a good idea? We'll just sit at our desks and have our sandwich and and have a bit of a catch up and as a result we've come up with like loads of good ideas and lots of different things that I haven't sp that I hadn't previously thought of and it's just yeah it, the way we communicate I'm not quite sure where it will end up but for me it probably has been advantageous um that's not to say I'm already dying to get out and plan a <laughs> COVID-19 over party uh, that would be great but um in the short term I think yeah it's about digging in and making best of what we've got yeah, yeah, I think, yeah, I think everyone is going to be partying very hard once they're allowed out the front door again. I can't wait to see my friends again and my family. Um, yeah, it'll be great. One of the things that um, we really want to explore with this podcast is um, the idea of flexibility and adaptability and um, asking people kind of whether the changing circumstances are causing them to be more open to change. Um, so I guess if I were to ask you that question, I think I'd know the answer because it sounds like actually you're 
quite excited and optimistic that people seem to be embracing change in the way that you do. But I guess, um, would you agree with that? Do you think that you've had to be more flexible or has this actually come as a welcome change to you? Yeah, it's a great question that I would think, I, I think naturally none of us really, if we're to be brutally honest, like change, but I think it's about your outlook, isn't it? And if you're an, an optimist and you're glass half full, you've got to take every situation as it comes and think, right, how can I deal with this and make the best out of a situation? And that that is about looking for new routes and new ways. And I think that's one reason the meat industry is the, the area I know best, but I think the food industry more generally, and boy, have we seen that over the last four weeks in particular, that we'll find a way and I really like that about, you know, it's that can-do attitude. Um, so I, I suppose that's probably ingrained in me as well, that, yeah, it, whatever's thrown at us, um, then making sure that you can evolve with that and adapt with that change. And I think the bit that gives me confidence there is, um, and thank God, can I deal with this change professionally, is having a network. Um, and I know we've spoken before about that the power of the network, and that that's not easy but keeping a network of tight-knit group of people around you to bounce ideas off and to make sure that th- to keep your level give you that all-important critical feedback it is so so key um, and I think that's what probably gives me confidence with change but having that positive outlook and those people around you that you can pick up the phone to and say you know this is coming down the track what do you reckon and if you don't deal with the change then you're going to be left behind particularly in the, the fast-moving environment that we work in um, it's really really important and also helping businesses to deal with that change as well if you can't deal with it yourself um, you, you you're not going to do very well at talking to CEOs or whoever about you know what they can do with their businesses so yeah I have to admit naturally you know do I like change if I was brutally honest that's hard but um, I know you need to embrace it to to make um, the, the best out of any situation. And do you think um, you're so to me, you seem like a fairly ambitious person. You've done a lot um, every kind of the course of your career and you've created a lot within, I know you've created and driven quite a lot of change um, or promoted a lot of good within the meat industry. Um, do you feel like any kind of ambition that you have has had to be put on the back burner because of the current situation? Or do you feel like that's not been hindered? Can you still go after the things you want to go after and still kind of plan your personal development in the way that you wanted to? Um, again, another great question. So no, I don't think it's been put on the back burner. Um, I think if nothing else, as we spoke about, it's given us that pause to look at. And, you know, we all do things every single day that's not probably adding that much value. It's not either to our professional or personal lives. So it's about, you know, reevaluating that. Um, but it's also, yeah, about understanding what opportunities there are as well and about really clear on that I guess again if someone said are you an ambitious person I would probably say oh well you know and be very humble and uh, as women do as well (laughs) we're terrible you know not um celebrating our success as much as probably we should be but I just like to be busy. I like to make um, the environment that I work in a positive one. And I'm so passionate about our sector as well. Um, you know, it's going to be a big year for Meet Business Women. And as I alluded to, it's one that it's going to see if 
if industry want to back it or not. So I think industry are very busy at the moment, and rightly so, dealing with the this current situation. But towards the, the summer and the autumn months, it'll be interesting to see if their appetite for leading meat business women through and helping it to get that a pipeline of talent through our um, organisations, which we need now more than ever, uh, it is still there. So um, at the moment, I'm still as positive as ever. We'll, we'll re- ask me again in six months and see how perky I am, but hopefully I'm all right. <laughs> I'll send you a calendar entry for uh, October 2020 yeah let's regroup yeah <laughs> looking forward to it amazing well thank you so much for sharing um it's been so interesting to hear about kind of how both professionally and personally you're adjusting um and um I guess best of luck for everything that Meet Business Women is going to do this year I know that the Grocery Girls is a big fan of the work you're doing and we are looking at ways to support each other and work together in the future so I'm looking forward to seeing kind of more of that stuff um I would like to finish with a couple of quick fire questions, if that's okay. Um, just for, <laughs> just keep just keeping him coming, throwing all the curveballs. As long as it's not maths, I'm all right. Go on. Is there anything that you didn't realise until now was an essential? So anything in your home that you didn't realise that you couldn't do without and actually not being able to pop out to the shops or stock up on the luxuries has made you realise, oh, I can't live without this. Yeah, I don't know if it's in the home uh, because I'm still lucky, as I say, the fridge and the the, the biscuit tin's still full. But um, I think I love to travel, um, and I probably take that a bit for granted. Um, Meet Business Women has enabled me to travel quite a lot, and my my job previously did as well. And I think just that that um luxury of being able to just jump on a plane and go to x and you know speak at a conference or you know even recreationally you know and leisure time I probably took for granted a bit so already I'm thinking itchy feet right where's the next holiday gonna be (laughs) and I probably took that for granted a little bit as well so yeah it's that it's the the old freedom uh sunshine on your face if we might be all right when we get to the middle of summer but yeah the northeast at the moment is still a bit fresh yeah, I can imagine looking out of my uh, grey Manchester window, it's not looking particularly inviting today. Um, okay, second question, um, and I promise this will be the last quickfire and the last of my questions. Um, so it might link actually into the last one, but if you've told us what you find, what you found is an essential, can you tell me what will be the first thing you do when you have total freedom back in your life? I think first thing I'm going to have to do is to catch up with my family and friends. Uh, it would be bad if I did anything else. Um, whilst I'm doing that, I'd probably book a nice holiday. Um, but yeah, really looking forward to um, a couple of nice drinks and a nice steak would be top of my list with uh, friends and family. Lovely. One more tiny question. How do you take your steak? Uh, medium. Safe answer. I like it. I know this is uh, the the meat people would prefer medium rare or rare, but yeah, a proper medium or if it's not a medium rare. <laughs> okay, good to know. We've got the professional opinion. Thanks, Laura. <laughs> um, thank you so much for chatting to me today. It's been really interesting and great to hear about how you're adapting and adjusting. Um, yeah, it's been brilliant. Great to be on, Hester. Thanks so much for having me.
Thanks so much, Laura, for taking the time to chat to me. She was a very patient interviewee and a willing guinea pig. <laughs> In particular, um, I love the point that Laura made about working with different time zones. It's not something I'd thought about. And when she said that, it really kind of hit home that even though we're going through this whole situation together, we all have slightly differing circumstances. Something that might seem easy to us just might not be for someone else. And this was a lovely reminder to be compassionate and patient with colleagues, friends and family. This is something we'll explore more deeply in interviews to come. So if you have any thoughts, please get in touch. Full details will come at the end of the episode. Laura and I spoke more than a month before this episode went live, but I think a lot still applies and will make sense even when we come out of lockdown. I hope Laura's had a productive time since and I'm sure we'll be hearing from her again. And now... Before we draw our first podcast episode to a close, I'm going to hand you over to my colleague Verity. Uh, I'm going to put you in her very, very capable hands. Um, Verity is the business manager to Joe Whitfield at Co-op Food. It's a crazy interesting and really challenging role that she has, and we've blogged about it already. So if you're interested in learning more, you can go on to our blog on our website. Each episode of this podcast, Verity is going to be sharing some kind of insight with us. Um, so we were throwing ideas around about what we could call this segment. And I really like the idea of nugget of knowledge, but strangely, Verity wasn't so keen. Um, I think she might have settled on calling this segment News You Can Use, but we'll see whether this changes as time goes on. Um, so hope you enjoy and over to you, Verity. So I've just been sat um, uh, thinking about a fact uh, for this week or news you can use. And actually, uh, one thing that sprung to mind on a call this morning, um, we were talking about home hair dye kits. And actually, uh, record sales in these are up by 200%, um, which definitely means that everyone is uh, dyeing their hair at home because they can't get to the hairdressers. Um, definitely uh, a problem caused by self-isolation and social distancing. And then it also led me to think about all the uh, brilliant uh, new haircuts that I've been seeing on Teams videos uh, this week and uh, women getting... Um, the great job of being able to uh, cut their husband's or partner's hair. Um, it's almost like payback in its true form. <laughs> Thanks so much, Verity. And yeah, that is so true. I've seen so many people in hats on Zoom because they've either decided to let it all grow out and as a result have to hide their hair or they've fallen victim of a dodgy DIY cut. Um, yeah, amazing. I can't wait to see the uh, the state of people's hair when they come out of lockdown. If any of our listeners have any particularly interesting photos or stories on this subject, then feel free to share. We would love to see um, what's going on your end. Um, yeah, brilliant stuff. It's been so much fun making this first podcast episode. I really hope that you've enjoyed it and you will be hearing from us very soon. In fact, if you're listening to us on the day of publication, which will be Thursday, we will be sharing a new episode next Thursday. I can't wait and I hope you can't either. You've been listening to the Grocery Girls podcast. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode, please share with colleagues and friends or let us know on Twitter, LinkedIn or Instagram with the handle Grocery Girls UK. You can join our network, subscribe to our newsletter, get more resources and find out about upcoming activity on our website, grocerygirlsuk.com. See you soon.